Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hi. We've got the show's namesake, BJ Shea. Yeah, you do. And running the boards is Joey D. Hello. And on today's show, we will be talking comics. We'll be talking some movies and maybe a little TV. And of course, the geek sheet with Vicky B. Yeah. Vicky. How can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Oh, we have our blogs, <laughs> podcasts, and more. more. Or yeah. just search for BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, radio.com, and iTunes. There's a lot of us. places to find us. Lots of places. Give us those five-star reviews, too, because I like that. It makes me feel good. Yeah, we do. <laughs> now, it is comic book day, but BJ, you wanted to talk about board games because there's something that's happening that is uh, almost out of time. Yeah, we ran out of time on uh, on uh, on Monday's show in order to be able to tell you about uh, some other Kickstarter stuff. And uh, so since our, uh, our our folks over there at the Board Game Alliance are on hiatus until this COVID thing gets down, mm-hmm. you, you, you're probably not hearing a lot about Kickstarter games. We have buddies uh, that work for AEG, Alderac Entertainment. They have brought you so many great games. Uh, they have a new game out there called Dead Reckoning. This from- looks cool. Oh, if you like pirates. Yep. Uh, this is by John D. Clare. You know John. John did Mystic Veil and introduced a whole new system called card crafting, where instead of deck building, That's right, yeah. you have the same set of cards, but you build the card as the game goes on and make it better and better as you go through the system of the game. He also did Space Base. He did Eco's First Continent, Edge of Darkness, which is another card crafter. Custom Heroes and the card crafter. Uh, so John is uh, really like, you know, he is one of the guys over there at AEG making great, great games. And um, I got to see him demo this game at Dice Tower West. Uh, one of our friends played this game a lot. As a matter of fact, our buddy Lacey <laughs> kept saying, I know I'm supposed to play with you today, but I'm really going to go play the John D. Clare game again. Go play Pirates. I think also she was just happy because John would show up. And so to be able to play a game <laughs> mm-hmm. with John mm-hmm. is pretty amazing because he's, uh, he's one of the rock stars of, of the game industry. And this new game is called Dead Reckoning. It is a pirate 4X game. So if you there you go, you got to explore, expand, exploit, exterminate the whole thing. Uh, usually they happen in space. Uh, sometimes they'll happen in civilization games where you'll start off as an ancient race, you know, like the Romans or whatever, and you'll you'll do things like that and some of those Sid Meier type things. This one is about the pirates going out there and doing what they got to do in the old seas, baby. If you were, you know, you're out there in a Caribbean-esque setting, each player commanding their ship and crew as they try to amass the greatest fortune, and they can do it through pirating, trading, treasure hunting, and importantly, capturing and maintaining control over the uninhabited but resource-rich islands of the region. Fun. And you can customize your ship, customize your crew, all with this card crafting process. Uh, You go out there and explore these islands, which will give you the ability to make your ship and your crew better. Uh, It is a a very cool-looking game. One of my things I love about this is the Cube Tower, which... In his game, The Edge of Darkness, he introduced this mechanism in order to determine things randomly. Rather than rolling dice, you uh, in this new tower that they have, you have colored cubes. And the more colored cubes that you can get, the better for you. Because that way, when you roll them in this tower, they will just randomly land in certain zones. And depending on the zone where these cubes land, things will happen. Like, will you land a hit? Will you get this? Will you get that? It's a fun way to randomize uh, battle outcomes. 
And um, it's a cool thing that uh, that I haven't seen anybody do. So that's another innovation of the game that you know, that John has come up with. Um, and it really is kind of just piratey, you know. All right, let's roll. <laughs> and the, it looks like a giant boat you're rolling on. And yeah, that thing looks super cool. It's really really cool. Uh, even seeing it in its very super prototype form, I mean, to the point where. There was no drawings. There was no art. It was basically just this white paper with different things on there. And still, people were clamoring to play this game. It only has about, a, a, a really, three days left, I think, in the Kickstarter. Yeah, so uh, July 31st, 5 p.m. is the last chance you, you get to do that. But also, if you don't quite make it in there, first off, it's already been funded, fully funded in 15 minutes, according oh, yeah. to the Kickstarter. Uh, it'll probably be available afterwards, but if you want those sweet Kickstarter rewards and all of the different tiers as you go on, you can pick and choose with exactly what you want you need to go check it out right now again super easy to check out too it's uh, kickstarter.com just search for dead reckoning yeah great a great team john d claire great great designer and of course ian o'toole great artist and so the two of them they've got together and aeg is an amazing game company these Mm -hmm. guys uh, these guys just always knock it out of the park they really really do so this game will as you said get funded it will be produced as on time as any game could be they are a top notch organization so uh, this is something that you can be happy to put your money into and the game looks so good and I watched it being played and my friends love it so I have even to tell the low tech version I love it yeah so I'm looking forward to getting this bad boy because it's a 4X game I love the 4Xs <laughs> now Vicky another thing that is happening on Friday is Umbrella Academy Season 2 Who's coming out for net on Netflix? Yes. It's already happening. Yes. What? Yes. I'm so uh, soon. Finally. And Vicky decided M- that she wanted to uh, do a little bit of research. So you went back and you read the first two trade paperbacks, mm-hmm. correct? I have the third one. I came in not too long ago, and I need to sit down and read Hotel Oblivion. All but right. Yes. I started kind of taking notes. Really? Yeah. While you were reading. While I was reading, because there was a few things I wanted to talk about that are so different. I hadn't read the first trade in f- years. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I remember the the main idea of the story, like who was supposed to be the end of the world and this and that and mm-hmm. their powers in a, in a fair sense of what their, uh, their names were. But I remember I had to read it twice because in the comic, they all have their numbers. Yeah. They all have their code names mm-hmm. and then they all have their actual names that were given by um, their mother, Reginald. Grace. No, oh, Reginald oh. never gave them their names. They gave he gave them their numbers. Ah, okay. Um, he only did you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. While Grace was the one that actually named him. Oh. And there's a lot of things in the comic that I did not remember, and I'm wondering if it's going to be answered, if it's going to be a thing, or if it's just going to be completely ignored in the upcoming seasons. Really? For example, in like the first couple pages, we learn. Reginald is an alien. What? He's an inventor, this, that, and alien. Mm. And there's a part where he's looking into a mirror. You don't see his face, but you see the mask of Reginald's face on the in the oh, sink. Oh, weird. So he, like, I mean, that explains if you see the, I believe it's the last episode or second to last episode where you see a little clip of him in the past where he's going to talk to what you think is his wife. And it looks like back in old timey days, so maybe mm-hmm. in the early 1900s. And, you know, he has to leave his wife behind who is not going to make it. She looks sick. And he releases this thing out with all these missiles as well launching into the air, like air. Yeah. You don't know what it is. I mean, we, we'll probably find out next season. But is that because he's an alien? Is he an inventor? Or? or is it just one of those things that they're looking at the story and realizing that we don't necessarily need this for the Netflix show and it's not going to happen? 
that'll be really strange to see if they're going to uh, address that. It makes it make it makes sense of all these women spontaneously giving birth if he's the one that started that process in the first place. That's a good call too. One of the other things that I found interesting is that we have Pogo, who is the you know humanoid. He's a little chimp guy. He's a chimp guy. But in the series, so Reginald was an inventor and obviously has invented a few things for the Umbrella Academy. But he also he created the chimps. He, I mean, he created Pogo, but he created a world where there were multiple of him. In the sense of they they were just like humans. Oh, so they're you know random detective like one of the detectives in the detective agency was a chimp. Like, oh. it, but they're like they're talking. They're hu- they're humans, yeah. and there's just so many different things that I wonder if they're going to touch on. Like for example, we know that Allison and uh, Luther you know had a thing. Which was covered in the in the sort of kind of in, in the first season, kind of a little, kind of sort of. I mean, they, but, there was a little attraction there. There was allusions to it, yeah. But in the in the in the tr- the first and second trade, there's allusions that there was another couple that does not make sense, really, at all, to me. Really, Diego and Vanya. I was gonna say Vanya. I didn't expect uh, Diego. I yeah. thought maybe Ben. Yeah. Like but maybe that wouldn't make any sense either because he's dead. So never yeah. mind. <laughs> but I mean, like they were they were still kids. Like maybe like a flirtation thing. Yeah. But they even had a band going, like a punk rock band. Uh, when Vanya <laughs> played, I think the guitar. Diego played the bass, and they kind of had a thing going on. And I think their drummer was a monkey. Like oh, it was a chimp. <laughs> well, you know. Who, like, you know, did most, he had like a mohawk and you stuff. You can it see why legit. sometimes Netflix goes, we're going to edit some of this. Yeah, yes. we don't need all of this. But the idea of, like, having Vanya and Diego kind of be together, even, like, be, like, let's say there wasn't any, like, sexual tension or anything like that. It was just. Just them partnering up like, in any sort of aspect. super close. Like, it does not make sense. But, I mean, it could because of how betrayed he felt when she wrote the book. Because we've never seen Diego and her interact as kids. True. Diego's always been kind of a jerk because he's always been number two, wanting to prove that he's as good as number one. Oh, I guess that's a good point, yeah. Uh, but we haven't seen them interact as kids, just as this post, you wrote this book that exposed all our secrets, and I hate you now. <laughs> that's yeah. a really good point. And just yeah. being kind of a jerk. So I'm wondering if they're going to explore any of that. I know they kind of gave the whole patch thing, you know, detective patch mm-hmm. with Diego, so... We shall see. Uh, same with like uh, Vanya ended up getting because of the band thing. They were trying to sign a record deal. They were almost there, and Diego was supposed to run away with her. And last second, run got away. held up trying to like fight crime or whatever with the Umbrella Academy. So she just leaves. She's like, "You are where you need to be." And she leaves and goes wow. to boarding school. So she ends up leaving for a while. So I'm wondering how much of this is going to be covered, as well as how does Rumor get her voice back? Right? I mean, she got her throat slit or sliced mm-hmm. a little uh-huh. bit. She couldn't speak. But obviously in the trailers, we see that that's fine. Mm-hmm. And she eventually does get her voice back in the second uh, trade, which I believe is just called Dallas. Okay. And that's when a little bit more time traveling is going on. And I think that even kind of uh, in- is included in with this next season as well, because mm-hmm. they're dealing with a lot of the stuff. They even talked about JFK in the trailer and that with is, Dallas and all oh, that yeah. stuff. And that is a really big thing in the second trade, because they basically need to make sure it happens they the you kind of oh. saw in the trailer this weird goldfishy dude mm-hmm. like yeah, it's a goldfish he- like head <laughs> like it's a goldfish in a tank that's the head of a body yeah. <laughs> so apparently that's like one of the big higher ups and they go back in time and they put a gun to the mother of number five as she's about to give birth. Whoa. And so good. she has number like they have they're talking to number five and they're talking to Allison rumor. Like, okay, well, you need to help us make sure that this assassination happens. 
and they need to and we'll also give you your voice back. And they gave her her voice back so she can for sure make sure that the assassination Mm. happens. Here's the thing. Rumor in the comics and we have not seen this in the show. She could say something like, I heard a rumor you're going to punch yourself in the face. Yeah, we just see. Yeah. But if she said, I heard a rumor that your head exploded. It automatically happens. It's not one of those. It's like she can alter reality. Oh, and no, and so far with everything that we've seen, it's like yeah, you'll it's, shoot your, you're gonna shoot your buddy, and yeah. he does, and she does, but it's all based in reality. Yeah, that's something that could happen. It's almost like the Death Note type of thing in the sense of yeah, good call. Like, it, that's kind of what it reminded me. So I'm wondering if we're gonna see that, or there's even. Some of the, the the monsters and things that they battled as children, they battled basically the statues of uh, was it Abraham Lincoln and stuff. <laughs> and the way they defeated it was she said to the big giant statues, like I heard a rumor that your he- that somebody shot you in the head, and this big John Wilkes Booth <laughs> statue comes up and shoots him in the back of the head. Which I think they were alluding that that rewrote history. Yeah, that because of her doing that, that's what actually made the assassination happen of oh, Abraham Lincoln. That's what I understood. Wow. So I'm wondering how much more... This is more, trippy, man. Right. right how this is much the problem more, with like time travel and everything. It's the conundrums yeah, that you can revive. Yeah, and even like a, the, 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 the... What is it? The, the Eiffel Tower was an actual alien spaceship. Oh, of course. And why they, not? they made a reference to the, the thing they did in Paris or like they had mm-hmm. a... The, oh, no. The daughter's like, oh, I want to hear the story about the Eiffel Tower in one of the episodes. It was just a quick passing mention. But I'm wondering how crazy... Were the adventures really? Were they just kind of like vigilantes? Yeah. Or did it get as crazy as we saw in the comics? It'll be fun. And I think the fact that they got a second season Mm -hmm. means that they have the chance of really ramping it up. I mean, the show is still fantastic Mm -hmm. and there's so many fantastical things that are happening. But yeah, just going up to 11. Right. Or even like, I want to see more of Klaus because his powers are ridiculous in the comic. Like, yes, he is on drugs all the time, but he can still use his powers, but he needs to be barefoot. In the comics, otherwise he can't use his powers, and he's the par- he ends up teleporting some of the guys back in time. Whoa! So that's how powerful he actually is, Damn. and I want to see him become more powerful than we saw at the very last episode of season which one. Is, which is which when he saw his dad, you know, mm-hmm. when he saw when he saw Reginald. Reginald said, "You're not even using yeah. Yeah. potential at all." So right. that makes and sense. We saw that that snippet when he was able to conjure up Ben to exactly. help him in the fight. Mm-hmm. So we know more is in store for him. Fun fact: uh, one quick one. Mm-hmm. I thought this was cute. I just remembered from my notes. Uh, so in that scene where he's talking to God, who we mm-hmm. presume is God, is this little girl. In the comics, it's actually like an old cowboy. But the, basically, the lines were the exact same. She's like, You're like, oh, I know what you Let's are. Let's be honest. Like, I don't like you too much. It's like, well, who do you think I am? It's like, well, I'm kind of agnostic. Like, the lines were pretty much taken from the book. And I didn't remember that. And that was awesome. I don't awesome. necessarily believe you, but uh, hey. Sure. Uh, BJ, you've been reading some of uh, your own comics. What do you oh, got? Oh, well, it's funny you bring that up. They finally put some, they've got some comics out, finally. It's, I know. That's like most of the time, uh, well, you've been on assignment uh, playing board games, you know, doing the research on that end, but also because there really hasn't been anything for you to talk about uh, in the comic book world. It's so true, man. Um, it, it is, it's something that, you know, has been affected, obviously, by COVID. But uh, it, it, there's been a couple that have been released, and uh, Oblivion Song came out with their 25th big issue. Uh, and so uh, Robert Kirkman and uh, Lorenzo Di Felici are the ones that are putting that book out. And we told you before, Oblivion Song is the latest Kirkman adventure where it takes place in a, a Cthulian alternative world that exists. The Walking Elder Gods. Yes, it's a parallel sort of bizarre dimension that they can travel to. Looks so cool. Yeah, and it's, um, it is a cool-looking world. And uh, the 25th uh, issue resets everything. You know, hmm. Robert Kirkman seems to like to go, all right, now let's go three years 
years in the future and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's done that. And so, yeah, so uh, basically the main character, Nathan, uh, he's uh, he basically he's realized his dream, which is to free everybody from oblivion and get them over to our world the way they should be. Uh, because he he and some humans created a device that actually found that world in the first place, and that was bad news. But some people didn't want to come back over. No, but they eventually all did. Ah, okay. Trouble is, he's stuck there because oh. uh, he can't <laughs> get back. Of course, of course. But we now know there are sentient beings there. It used to when we first started this story, it was just a bunch of monsters that yeah. didn't seem to be sentient. Lots of tentacles. Now there are these faceless creatures. They call them the faceless ones. And he seems to be, three years later, working with at least a couple of them as buddies. And apparently there's some doom happening to this Oblivion world, which is why they wanted to come to our world in the first place, because they're trying to escape their own uh, world, since bad stuff's happening that's going to destroy their entire existence. So they want to come to our dimension. And, uh, yeah, this is where it starts. And, like, is it a good idea? Should we let them come over? They don't seem to be as malevolent as maybe we thought. And uh, so, yeah, Nathan Cole's world has changed, and nothing could have prepared him for what has happened. <laughs> Issue twenty-five of Oblivion Song. Uh, Spidey is still going strong. I mean, they they did you know they were doing two books a month. Yeah, uh, but it seems like if we get one a month now, we'll be lucky with the COVID situation. But issue 44 came out. And finally, we are getting to see this uh, this creature that has been haunting his dreams. In, it's a, It's been a, sort of like this story arc that has slightly been showing up in a, in a year worth of stories. But he's just been like, oh, Peter, you think things are cool, but I'm here waiting to do some really bad stuff to I'm you. He's going to hang out. And uh, then, you know, Peter's got his own stuff going on, other villains to fight. But then, then Kindred would show up and go, hi, looks like we're finally getting kindred. He's like, all right, here I am. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to show you my plans. Uh, he's got a character called the Sin Eater. And, Ooh, uh, that's cool sounding. Yeah, so the Sin Eater, Kindred, they got plans for Spider-Man. Don't look good. And um, yeah, so they're saying that Amazing Spider-Man is going to explode this summer, and this is where we light the fuse. Like exploding Spider-Man? That's not yeah, good. Yeah, so uh, that's issue 44, which is, it's a good issue, and it does at least uh, start to resolve some of this stuff that's been like haunting and eating at us, basically, for the entire uh, entire year with this Kindred guy. Like, who the hell are you? Um <laughs> There's a whole storyline called Empire in the Marvel Universe, and frankly, I'm not following it that much because they want you, you know, they have a checklist, and you've oh, yeah. got to buy like 100 you get issues. this one and this one, and it's kind of like how a Secret Wars had the Secret Wars, but then everything else there's like, well, these guys are over here in Battle Planet doing some things, and over here, and if you want to follow all of it, you can uh, buy every single random issue that you want. And I don't. <laughs> and it's it's a little sad for me because I don't know how long this Empire tie-in is going to go. It seems like we're going to have a tie-in. And I feel like I miss a lot by not getting everything as we're going to go, all right, in the next issue of Fantastic Four, yeah. I'm smack dab in the middle of an Empire tie-in. And I'm like, all right. I mean, they try their best to sort of fill it in, but I'm like, uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm and I'll tell confused. you, what, uh, my problem with all of it is, is that... I like particular writers. I just think that particular writers are better than others. Mm -hmm. I'm a Dan Slott fan, so I don't want to read about the Fantastic Four in a book written by, frankly, somebody else. Okay, yeah. Because I, re I remember those days way back in the day when I was a, an avid Marvel reader in the 80s and in the 90s, and they tried this with these crossover. And, you know, especially even if you read, like, all of the Spider-Man titles that were out there, the Spectacular Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, the Kind of Okay Spider-Man, you know, with all the books they had, <laughs> or the Marvel team-ups. And, frankly, you know, not every writer is as good as every writer. And you go, wow. 
I'm reading this book, but it's nowhere entertaining me as well as my original Amazing Spider-Man because, mm-hmm. well, the, the writer's just not as good. Yeah, my um, Mr. Fantastic doesn't say it like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was that <laughs> kind of guy. But look, you know, hey, look, if you love it, do it. But it's to me, it's like, uh, can you leave my book out of it and just let my book have its own stories? Um, but still, we got to see Franklin and Valeria. Uh, I guess there's a button you press to call help when mom and dad aren't home. <laughs> Panic button. So Spider-Man and Wolverine show up, and um, <laughs> that's always fun. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, of course, it's really interesting that, you know, Franklin, who they call Powerhouse, and uh, Valeria, who they call Brainstorm. Um, are, those, are those their real names? Powerhouse and Brainstorm, yeah. Uh, I don't really like those for superhero names. But, you know, Powerhouse is... I mean, I think he gave it to himself, so you kind of give him a pass because okay. he's a kid. Yeah, he's a kid. It sounds okay. like a name he'd give it himself. Sounds like a, like a wrestler name. And I like Brainstorm because her mom's last name was Storm, and she's the big brain. So in a way, right. you know what? Kinda, okay, okay, okay. You're, that's cute. You're sort of selling me on this. Yeah. So Val is, you know, plus Val's super smart. Yeah. I just love it because she's really much smarter than her dad, and we know how smart Reed Richards is. Yeah. And I just, but she's also like a kid, so she's almost like I got no time for you. She kind of reminds me of my son Joe when he used Hooray. to sit and go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of dumb. Why do I have to talk to you, Dad? Well, all right, fair enough. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a fun story about how Spidey and Wolverine have to sort of hang out with the two kids in order to you know make sure everything's cool. Um, <laughs> but I, I I I love the artwork from uh, Paco Medina, and of course I love anything Dan Slott does. So uh, it's yeah. episode I should say uh, issue twenty one of the new FF, and it is in my opinion still the world's greatest comic magazine. Of course it is. Well, we're short on time, so now it is time for the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for us? Uh, you know the term, uh, get back to the drawing board. Okay, yes. I feel like a lot of the very things that we love today would be really, really crappy had people not done that. Okay. Because I found some really disturbing early drafts of famous characters. And this goes on all spectrums of things, including Mr. Clean's even on this list. Mr. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Was he Mr. Unclean at the beginning? No, what the hell does that even mean? He was uh, oh, so he's a squeaky clean. He's even CGI now. Yeah, mascot. Oh, yeah. But he used to be the world's worst genie in early commercials. He was oh, a genie right. with a disconcertingly large head who would drop in on maids to mock their cleaning skills. <laughs> he also made a visit to a little girl playing house to instruct her on the importance of using his products. So much for keeping Ooh. it out of reach of children. Roasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a, I'm glad they changed it up a little bit, <laughs> Mr. Roast. Yeah. Uh, but how about Black Widow from the MCU? The character we know and love, she's an ex-KGB martial artist. Yes. But the early draft, she was a soul harvester for Satan. Satan! Oh, that? so, That's actually a lot cooler. Yeah, but before Marvel was even called Marvel, they had a character named Black Widow, a resurrected psychic who harvests evil people's souls for the devil. She was the first published female costume superhero. So, yay. You know what? I bet you the comics uh, authority code. Because really, she's Satan. Yeah, because she was a follower of Satan and uh, Satan's henchmen. Like, they couldn't have Satan. That's why we had, well, and they had Lucifer. But, like, they had, uh, there was a different one, too, as well, uh, that I can't remember. Mephisto. Mephisto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mephisto. Yeah, because yeah. you can't have, you know, Lucifer Satan. running around, Satan running around, because that'll hurt the children. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff about that comics code, which is in the uh, on Disney Plus the uh, the 75th anniversary oh, documentary on Marvel Comics. Yeah, it's really awesome. Nice, and the whole creation of the comics code and all that stuff. And uh, it's 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 scary what comics were 
and how bad yeah. it was for the world of comic books. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing, too. They kind of had to rein it in because it was just like the Wild West when you started off with all mm-hmm. of those things. Well, and a lot of it was just governmental b- BS. Mm-hmm. It, yes. it was really very, very unfair from the government, almost like, you know, witch hunts, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's a fascinating special. And unfortunately, no, no demons. Nope. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of demon type things, the Predator. So the character we know is the crab-faced, rasta-looking dude that yeah. looks like he's got dreads. But in the early drafts, he was like a bug duck thing. Bug I like duck. Bug he had ducks. like a weird duck billy type alien head. So the creature, originally played by Jean-Claude Van Damme in yep. a rubber suit, mm-hmm. made it halfway through filming before the director, John McTiernan, realized it was ridiculous and he just threw it away. Yeah. And, and they just uh, scrapped all of that and said, goodbye, and, Jean-Claude, and yep. we'll just get somebody in got, the suit and the mask. Yep. They got FX uh, wizard Stan Winston to cobble something together hastily and... Uh, that's how we it's got the crab-faced roster dude. so badass, too. Stan's the man, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Sam Winston. Iconic. Was, he was legit. Uh, but uh, how about Jabba the Hutt? Oh, oh, he wasn't always just a big turd slug? Nope, he wasn't ju- like the giant space slug thingy that he is today <laughs> in the early draft. The big poop. He was an Irish bear thing. An Irish bear thing. As special edition hmm. enthusiasts know, George Lucas shot a scene for A New Hope where Jabba the Hutt confronts Han Solo in the hangar before he jets yeah. Luke and Ben off to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. So Lucas used Northern Irish actor De- Declan Mahollin in a fur coat as a Jabba stand-in and meant to overlay a stop-motion bear creature over the footage. Mahollin's heavy Irish brogue was going to stay, but the scene was scrapped because of the expense involved in creating a new creature. Yeah, and then they just, I mean, they essentially used the same thing, and they just put in CGI Jabba for that. And looking at the scene now, it it kind of works. Like, I've gone back and recently rewatched that, and I'm like, eh, all right. Yeah, not a, not a fan of that scene, actually. Yeah, not I, a huge, yeah, yeah, it was like... I understand why it was cut, and I mean, they can say expense, but it really didn't do a whole lot. No, it really didn't. And for some reason, Jabba does not look as impressive as he does in his palace when he's in any, even the huts that we saw in in, in one, two, and three, whatever. Yeah. They just didn't look as cool to me as Jabba in his palace, I guess because it was real. You know, it wasn't CGI. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it goes a long way to have those practical effects, especially when CG, even in the 90s when it was redone or early 2000s, I don't remember, um, it it just really wasn't there yet. Uh, So Homer Simpson is, you know, just the nuclear plant dummy. Mm-hmm. But in the early drafts, he had a secret professional uh, oh, I know this one. job. So Matt Groening originally planned for it to be revealed that Krusty was actually Homer in disguise, which explains why the two are nearly identical looking, yep. except for the makeup. He scrapped the idea when it turned out to be too complicated to explain. Exactly. Another fun little tidbit about The Simpsons is that um, if you remember any of Matt Groening's uh, earlier comics, it would have like the bunnies with like you look the one ear oh, right, and that yeah. stuff like that. It was going to be revealed that Marge is hiding bunny ears under her giant blue hair. Oh. But uh, I mean, they decided again, it was like one of those yeah. things like that's kind of funny, but yeah. is it really worth especially something like this? Yeah. Like it's actually such a long running show to have that, and they decided just not to do that. Uh, we did talk about Predator earlier, but how about Aliens Alien? Oh, oh the, xenophor- the xenomorph. Yes, yep. so we know the character as being terrifyingly silent, but in the early draft, it, it, it actually talked with words. <laughs> like space balls, hello, so, my baby, hello, my honey. No, actually, the idea they had for it is kind of eerie and uh. kind of cool. So Ridley Scott said he wanted the movie to end with the alien chomping Ridley's head off, killing her. Whoa. Then it settled down in her chair and make a final entry in the ship's log in Ripley's voice. 
That would be cool. Ooh, that would have been cool. That'd be badass. That just reminds me of, uh, oh God, what was that movie with uh, uh, the, the oh man, with the bears that were like screaming in the people's voices. That, Annihilation. Yes, Annihilation. Annihilation. Oh, the like, weird that was, bear thingy. Yeah, oh. that was the most terrifying scene in that movie when this thing is screaming and you realize it's this weird hybrid bear that's just screaming <gasps> in the voices of the things that it's consumed. That yeah. movie left me not okay for a few days. <laughs> It's shocking like, there. And it's not not because it's scary, but because of the whole idea of the movie and everything. It, it, same with Arrival. Like, I walked out of the theater having to go buy something at the store, and she was trying yeah. to talk to me. I'm like, don't, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Those are very eerie movies, like, the way they were done. It just, yeah. like, hits your, I don't want to say soul, but it hits you in a weird way. So having, like, a xenomorph, which would, I just think it would be just badass. Yeah, eat her, and then just start talking like her. And not even, like, changing into her or anything like that. Keep the creepy mm-hmm. the creepy Geiger uh, motif with it. <laughs> yeah. And just speaking in Ripley's voice. Oh, man. Now I kind of want a shape-shifting alien now that you said that, though. Yeah, right? Uh, his name is Odo. <laughs> Boo, Odo. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ghostbusters Gozer. Mm-hmm. So, the character we know is whatever it wants to look like, but in the early drafts, Pee-wee Herman. What? The makers of Ghostbusters originally meant for Gozer to be played by Paul Rubens dressed in a simple suit like his character in Pee-wee's Playhouse. He turned down the role to focus on Pee-wee's big adventure. Interesting. Oh. That would change a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, Stay Puffed as the big bad, like, that was pretty genius. Like, just having something that, a fun childhood memory that turns bad, I thought that would be awesome. Seeing Paul Rubens as Pee-wee-esque kind of, I think, would have taken me out of it a little bit, but mm. eh, who knows? That's uh, sort of like what Jim Carrey's Riddler did for me in the in the Batman movie. Did he take I you out of it? Yeah, it was too Jim Carrey. Oh, see, and that's why yeah. I loved it so much, because it was so Jim Carrey. Yeah, see, that's the difference, because I was <laughs> raised on Frank Gorshin's Riddler. Yeah. And yeah, I just feel like he's, he's one of the best Riddlers, though... I don't know the gentleman's name that played him in Gotham. Love the Riddler in Gotham. Oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah. He's got like a, wait, no, I'm thinking of the other one. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say three-parter name. But anyway, he's a, yeah, so the actor that played the Riddler in the Gotham TV series was- Corey great. Michael Smith. Yeah, oh, Corey Michael yes, Smith. He was, he yeah, was, yeah, he has three names. He was good business. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, Batman, uh, Batman's Alfred, the character we know now, is a caring, wise father figure, and depending on which interpretation, like uh, what, in Gotham, he was a badass fighter, and you know, mm-hmm. he's maybe a little bit of Alfred's badassery in- the Harley show. Just, hey, plug. Just a little bit. Please watch that show. I need people to talk to you about it. Uh, but in the early draft, he was actually a bumbling idiot. Oh. Like in the early cart- in the early comics. So Alfred actually didn't appear in early comics at all, but when he did emerge, it was a com- like comical would-be detective. Uh. And Batman and Robin would roll their eyes as he endangered himself stumbling around trying to solve a mystery and then twist, he'd somehow solve it. Ah. Uh. Huh. Uh, the things they had to do in comics to throw a little comedy in there. Oh, I right. guess so, yeah. yeah. The comic relief guy. All right, one more, Vicky. All right, so in the first Spider-Man movie, very, very, very first Toby one. Maguire. Oh, yeah, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire. Yeah. So the character we know of Green Goblin was this pointy metal mask dude. Yeah. But the early draft was a creepy rubber mask dude. I and want that instead. Actually, I've seen videos of some of the animatronics in that mask, and it's ridiculous. It looks so good. Special effects wizards originally developed a mask that was more consistent with Spider-Man comic books, but it was actually fleshy goblin head with, you know, servers animating its expressions, but it would have been so good. Yeah, right? That seems like it'd be way more badass. I feel like if they just toned down the green tone because they made them too lime greeny, 
Like, I think it, I think we weren't ready for that yet. I feel like, no, with Ragnarok and all the, the shenanigans that we have going on now in the MCU, we can handle funky colored characters, but I think this would have taken us out too much. Too green. Uh, too, too, it's just too... Super green. Too cartoony. Oh, I feel like... See, oh, yeah, that that's then. a little bit excessive on that one. I think they just need one. to tone down the green. Add some, uh... Add a little bit of darker green to it. Yeah, Some, uh, darken it up a little bit. A little green. forest green. A little olive green. It looks like a scroll almost. In yes. there. Good call, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they could have done it, but I don't know. I would have liked that a lot better. Yeah. I did not like the high-tech mask. Yeah, I had. thought it was I, a little goofy. I will say, though, Willem Dafoe is awesome. Yep. In pretty much everything. I brought everything. a fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Popular <laughs> meme. Anywho, until next time, stay nerdy.